Our scripture reading tonight from Psalms 145, beginning at verse 13, we read these words, Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. This is our sovereign God who rules over everything, who created all things. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand, and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. There's a lot of people who say they call upon the Lord but have no idea of the Lord's scriptures. Them that to all that call upon him in truth, verse 19, he will fulfill the desires of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry. We will be looking at some scripture in the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 9. So if you'd like, you can turn your Bibles to Ezra chapter 9, and when we get to that in the handout, you can read along through your Bible if you'd like. Some folks would rather read through their own Bible. They're more familiar with it, and I understand that. Others struggle and want to turn quickly to the reading, so I put it in the handout also. Now, we speak of a revival. We're looking tonight at reviving grace. We've heard men and women speak of a revival that may be going on. Seems like seems like the gospel is reaching out to more places here and there, and maybe there's a revival, a movement, a movement of God's people returning unto Him. Oh, how we pray for that in this country, don't we? That God may move His people in this country to return unto Him, those who have, uh, who He has allowed through His gracious hand to wander away, to try them and test them, not, leave, not let, allow them to wander away into damnation. But sometimes the Lord lets us run, doesn't he? He let Jonah, he allowed Jonah to run from him. You know, our God is sovereign. He didn't have to allow Jonah to do anything. He could have caused Jonah to do whatever he wanted Jonah to do. And in a, in a way, in a sense, he did by allowing Jonah to run. He allowed Jonah to go out on his own and run from God to teach you and I a lesson. These are things that can happen to each and every one of us. Our Lord is, it's His right to try us, to test us. And He doesn't test us to, to find out what we will do for Himself. He tests us to prove to us what we need and where we are in this world, to prove to us our need of Him in all that we have. So when we talk about a great arrival, uh, as though a great number is turned away and need to be turned back, that may be a truth. I'm in the handout now, the first paragraph. There may be a great number as there was in the day of Jewish captivity in Babylon. I don't know about that, but I do know about my own weaknesses, especially the weakness of my faith. I mentioned a short time ago, sometimes I wonder if I'm a Judas, as each of the apostles asked, is it I, Lord, when the Lord told them of one whom would betray him over in Matthew 26, 22, I wonder too. I wonder at times. I too express weakness in my faith. Let me say one thing about that. These are the things that magnifies 
that magnify our great hope. A hope that is not from within ourselves, a hope that is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. And what a great hope that is. It is a hope in what we hear from His Word. It is a hope in He who is faithful to fulfill all that He has promised in His Word. Listen to Romans 9, verse 15 through 16. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Those things, those times when we get weak in our faith, when we wonder, am I a Judas? Am I saved? And, you know, I've never heard any man any man, even the most faithful men I know, have admitted that there's times when their faith is weak. Those times show us our need of strength. Those times in our lives when we look and say, Lord, was it, is it I? Because we know what we're capable of inside without God's gracious hand in our lives. Our hope is not a hope that depends on our faith. This is the gospel, the good news to a soul that is weak in every aspect of my being. Salvation is of the Lord. The Lord alone, start to finish, and everything in between. So in my weakness, my great Savior, knowing the depth of my weakness, for he too was tempted as I, yet without sin, he graciously brings revival. A renewing is what that word means, a renewing of his relationship to my heart through the preaching of his word. Listen to Psalms 85, 2 through 8. We have it in the handout, page 2, top. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Not in part, but all. Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath, Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger towards us to, toward us to speak. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Lord, wilt thou not revive us again? I may be alone in this, but I need reviving grace over and over again and again. Listen to the words of Romans 5, 1 through 6. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grave wherein we stand and, we and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What a great hope we have in the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience. Oh, there's that word, hope. Oh, the wonderful word of hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, 
in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Does that not give you a wonderful hope? The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 16, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and an injurious. But I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me, first Jesus Christ, might be, show forth all long suffering. Aren't you thankful the Lord's long suffering with us? That's what that's revived. What reviving is? That's being long suffering for each and every one of us. Oh, how the Lord is long suffering to me! He is long suffering for a pattern to them which should. Hereafter, believe on him to life everlasting. Page 3. Now consider with me, if you would, a time recorded in the Old Testament book of Ezra. The Lord hath expressly commanded in Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 through 4, that there should be no intermarriages between Israel and the nations around. No doubt with an eye to Christ, God's people were a nation of priests a holy seed, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. Therefore, this mingling between Israel and the heathen people surrounding them was, an in, was a direct, in direct rebellion to God's divine law. And yet, the people of God do as they tend to do when the Lord pulls back His hand of grace and tests His chosen people to prove them. They faltered. Have you ever faltered? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about everybody online, but everybody here in the room spoke up at once and said, yep. Are you any different than Jonah or Lot or David or Peter or any of the names we are given of God's saints in Scripture? Oh, how thankful I am that our Lord spares not the weaknesses of His people. I can relate to the people of God. I'm in good company. Sinners saved by grace. The prophet Ezra had been given by God through Cyrus, king of Persia, permission to return to Jerusalem and to begin rebuilding the temple. And we pick up the story in Ezra 9, verse 1. Now when these things were done, the princes came to me, came to Ezra, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. They had allowed their children to marry the children of these heathen lands. And, and in doing so, the heathen doctrines, the heathen idol worship was brought in and mixed in with the, the worship of God's people. Verse 2, And for they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and the rulers hath been chief in this trespasses. Not only had the people been doing it, but those that were leading them, the, the so-called religious leaders of the church of the people of Israel. 
This is what it is. This is what it is to mingle the things of this world into our worship. Oh, how we need to be careful of this. We had a man, some of you remember, not too long ago, a retired minister from Citrus Heights who showed up here, and he wanted to teach eschatology, end times. And he wanted to teach me so I could teach you. And I told him over lunch one day, I said, well, no, we're not going to do that here. Uh, we, we preach Christ and Him crucified. I just, You know, it just blesses me. It just blesses me every time I ask Mike uh, Lesher to pray. He just, first thing pops out of his mouth, thank you, Lord, for somebody who preaches Christ. <laughs> That's all we're going to do here. That's all we're going to do here tonight. We're going to talk about the Lord Jesus and how he revives his people. That's what, that's what mingling the things of the world in our worship is. What I just read there a moment ago in verse 2. People call me up. They, they, they send me messages all the time. We can help you grow your church if you just follow these things. Like play loud music and, and have bands and maybe some smoke going across the stage like some churches I've seen. Or worship. Uh, yeah. Our worship must be. Let me say this again. Our worship must be. Christ and Him crucified alone. In Ezra 9, verse 3, we read, And when I heard this things, right, Ezra, he says, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair off my head and off my beard, and I sat down astonished. Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away, and I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. Page 4. Verse 5, And at the evening sacrifice I arose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees. Notice what Ezra has done here. The first thing he's done is abased himself. He's, he's taken ashes and poured them over his head. He's taken his clothes off. He's bowed himself to where he should be before the almighty, thrice holy God. He bowed himself as you and I do, as, as Moses did on the mount. He bows himself to the will of God. And, he, then he, and then he prays. And he spread out my hands unto the Lord my God. What a friend. I like this song. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Are, you, are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Brother Kevin spoke a bit about this in the last Wednesday night service. Even our failings and our offerings up of prayers, our great Savior intercedes on our behalf. Kevin was preaching from the 17th chapter of John, where our Lord's prayer is... Uh, expressed greatly for his people and how he keeps them and sends them into the world. He prays that the Father would not take them from this world, but to keep them from the evil in it. The Apostle Paul, I think of the Apostle Paul in beseeching the Lord to relieve him with his thorn, yet the Lord gave him not what you may have thought the answer to be. My grace is sufficient was the answer. That was the answer he got. What was it that Paul needed, he needed God's grace, and he got it. Let's read on, shall we? Ezra 9, verse 6, And said, O oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face. 
Is that not the way we approach our Lord? Lord, we're so unworthy. We're like the, 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 the man over there in the corner of the, the temple, over on the side wall of the temple, who can't even lift his head up, pounding our chest, praising unto the Lord, Lord, have mercy upon me. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, I read these words, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I spoke about this last Sunday also. But folks, I don't, I'm not talking about you coming to me and, and confessing your sins to me. There, there are some religion, there's a religion out there that believes that you can do that. I don't. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it talks about confessing your sins to a man. Confess your sins to God. And it's not, it's not just the detail of your sins. He knows all the details, but confess what we are. That's what Ezra was doing there. He was on his knees, praying out, spreading out with his hands into the Lord, saying, Oh my God, I am ashamed. Did you catch that? I know who I am. I'm a sinner. Exactly right. I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee. For our iniquities, the iniquities of your people, my iniquities are increased over our head. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what it says in 1 John 1 verse 9. Continuing on in Ezra chapter 9 verse 7. Since the days of our fathers, right, says Ezra, have we been in a great trespass unto this day? And of our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the land to the sword, to captivity, and to spoil, and to confusion of face, as it is this day. I can't help but think about the very country we live in, folks. Now, I'm not trying to say we were ever walking straight with the Lord at any time. I mean, no. uh, I, I believe we were based on Christian fundamentals. I believe that there was a time when there may have been more in this country who knew the Lord than there are today. We we're definitely outnumbered. Definitely outnumbered. There's nothing, nothing more than a remnant in today's world. But how many of God's people are out there still wandering around? We don't know. It could be a great revival yet, couldn't it? Yes. Amen. It could be a great revival yet. And now in verse 8 it writes at the bottom of page 4. For a little space, grace hath been shown, showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape, page 5, and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. What a prayer. What a prayer we have. We're at the top of page 5. What a prayer to have for each and every one of us as priests, as kings. That's what we are. We're priests and kings, every one of us. A little reviving may the Lord give us in our bondage. Verse 9, For we are bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God and to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. So what is this reviving, this reviving that he's talking about? What is our wall? It's Jesus Christ. It's Christ Jesus, the Son of the living God. It's, he's our mediator, our Lord, 
our substitute, God in the flesh, our priest, our king, our all in all. When we spend time in his word, looking for him in the word, I, I love the, the books of Don Fortner. He, even the ones that before they, before he started using the seeking Christ in all the scriptures, seeking Christ in in uh, the book of Solomon, seeking Christ in Revelation, the book of Revelation, seeking Christ in John. It's always seeking Christ. When we are seeking Christ in His Word, we find His Word. He is provi- We find in His Word He has provided all that He requires of us. Everything that God requires of you and I, He has provided in our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Every time I lose sight of that, every time I think I can do this or I can do that, the Lord revives my soul with His Word. That's where we find revival, in His Word. Revival in Him. Reviving our souls when we're feeling weak. (coughs) I put several verses in here where it says, I, the Lord, as you can see, it's highlighted in your handout. I, the Lord, do keep it, it says. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. Isn't that wonderful? This is our reviving. This is what revives us when when we're weak in the flesh and in the mind. This is what we, we can take this before our Lord when a sin, when a besetting sin is agging on us agging on our mind to think these thoughts or to do these things or to be angry or to or for whatever the sin might be. We can take these thoughts, these words and say, I the Lord do keep it. God will keep me. I will water it every moment. He waters us with his word. Lest any hurt it, I will keep it night and day. Look at the next one here, Isaiah 41.4. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am He. In 41.13 we read, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Not only do these words give revival to God's people, not only do do these words revive our own hearts when we're weak, but imagine what you would think Imagine what you might say to somebody who came to be came to you and said, "I just don't know anymore. I don't feel the Lord is close to me. I, I I feel like the Lord is further from me now than I've ever felt in my whole life." What would you say to him? How about these words? How about these words here in in forty one seventeen? When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst. Our Lord says, I, the Lord, will hear them. God says He will hear you when you're thirsty for the truth. He says He will hear you when you're you're hungry for the food, the bread of life. I will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. In Isaiah 42, 6, how about sharing this with somebody who might come to us when when they're struggling with a besetting sin or something. Our Lord says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. Now, wait a minute. How, how can I sit here and continue to think about that sin when you're telling me the Lord just, you're, you just told me the Lord has called me in righteousness. And will hold thine hand and will keep thee. And give thee the, for a covenant of the people for the light of the Gentiles. Page 6. 
In Isaiah 45, 7, we read these words. The Lord says, I form the light and create darkness. A lot of people want to stop and say that's just talking about the sun. And when the sun goes down, the darkness. Folks, this is talking about what's in our hearts. This is talking about the light of God, His Son, His Holy Son, being shined in the hearts of His people. I make peace, the Lord says, and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. This is the sovereignty of God. This is where the world says, Whoa, stop! Uh Uh-uh. God rules over everything. That's absolutely right. But I'm my own person. (laughs) But I. People start saying, but I. You you, you walk away from them. Let them go. Folks, there's only one who can declare I, and that's the great I am, the Lord Jesus Christ. Continuing in the top of page 6, right underneath Isaiah 45-7, Coming to the Lord's table of remembrance. Does that not bring a revival to our hearts? Does it not to you? Folks, our peace can only be in one source, and that's Christ. Being blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, as we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we see in His Word, we are in Him from before the world was. That's what we read in, in Ephesians 1, verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him, that's as what that means is as God has chosen us, you and I, his chosen people, in his son, in him, before the foundation of the world. So we see in his word that he's loved us with an everlasting love, with a with a, with a, with a, uh, eternal love. He's loved us before everything. Because before the world was, we were in Him. We see in His Word, in the next paragraph, that we should be holy and without blame before Him. Again, that's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. See the revival the Lord gives us? We should be, we should be holy and without blame before Him. That doesn't give us a, 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 a legal right to go out and sin any way we want to. No, that gives us the desire to turn away from that sin that besets us. I remember a day when I would give in to those sins. Oh, they didn't bother me. I wasn't hurting anybody else. I was shaking my fist at my God. I was hurting myself. I want to be holy. Our Lord, speaking through the prophet, said, Be ye holy, for our God is holy. I want to be holy. I want to walk in holiness. But I know that this flesh is weak. And I've proved over and over and over again and again how weak it can be. So I'm thankful that my holiness is in my Savior, the Lord Jesus. Being in Him, He is my righteousness. We see in His Word that we should be holy and without blame before Him. We also see in His Word... Back in our handout again, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In the Lord Jesus is all the power of all God, all three, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We see all three in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our next word it says, and ye are complete 
in Him. Well, if we're incomplete in Him, what more is there for us to do? Sit down and rest. Stop trying to work for our salvation. Our salvation is complete in Him. Which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you, being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, made alive, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Is that not reviving a sinful soul right there? A sinful, the sinful flesh of our flesh, the sins of our flesh, does that not give us revival, knowing that all that we have done has been laid upon our Lord, forgiven us of all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way. How? Nailing it to his cross. Colossians 2, 9-14. That is grace that revives this poor soul when my sins have rose up against me. When my enemy rails on my soul. Listen to Psalms 138, 7-8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. Who's sitting at the right hand of God right now? What does Scripture say? The Lord Jesus is sitting at the right hand, the hand of power. Thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Page 7. Lord, wilt thou give us a little reviving this day? If so, it will be by the preaching of his word. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Everybody wants to teach and preach about how they should be walking before God. God's ministers preach Christ and him crucified. To the world, that's just foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 1 Corinthians 1. 18 through 25. It will be by His grace, giving us an understanding of His grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, 
lest any man should be boast. Ephesians 2, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater <coughs> than all our sin. Reviving grace, something this poor sinner needs over and over and again and again. The Lord of all that is has made a promise and will not change. In Malachi 3, verses 6 and 7, we read these words. Our Lord says, For I am the Lord. I change not. Folks, I'll tell you, that just blesses this poor heart so much. Our Lord says, I do not change. We, we live in a world where love can change at the drop of a hat. You know, folks, I, I'm not saying this in any bragging way. I'll, I'll be honest with you right here. The only thing that's kept Kathy and I together for 46 years is God Almighty. But that is such a rarity to be married for 46 years. And I know I know quite a few in our realm, folks that we know in other churches who've been married long periods of time, but out in the world where we work, there's people who've been divorced five or six times. I have, I've got a guy I went to high school with, he's been married five times. And I don't know if he's going to last the next one or the, or the one that he's with now. People change at the drop of a hat. Our God does not. His love for us is everlasting. It can never change. He says, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. <laughs> I'm a son of Jacob. <laughs> I pray I am a son of Jacob. <laughs> and that I don't get consumed for what I deserve. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances. Remember what we read just a moment ago back in Ezra? What did Ezra say? He says, he, all right, I'm going to go back and read that again just to make sure, just, just to make sure I said it right. Let's go back to that again. What did he say? And he said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head. Our trespasses have grown up in the heavens. In verse 7, since the days of our fathers have we been in great trespass this day. That's the exact same words we see here in Malachi 3, 6-7. He says, the Lord says, from mine ordinances and kept, uh, you have gone away, even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. And I'm going to leave you with this question at the end of page 7. Does that not revive your soul? Sure did mine. 